There we go. All right. Here we go. We got audio. You'll have to forgive us. We tore down our set to go do training, and uh, we're getting it all put back together, though. We have Sean over at the production desk, and really appreciate him. Um, it's just me today, and so uh, I don't even have my phone. Is my phone over there, Sean? To monitor. You can just toss it to me. To monitor everybody's uh, comments. And as always, if you're out there watching, we're just kind of getting started here, but if you're out there watching... Um, be sure to comment. Hey, Martha, Martha Weatherall, you're watching. Nice to, to have you with us. I see that you're up there. Uh, comment on the on the comment on the comments. I, I don't know any, any better way to say it. Um, so that we know you're out there. Um, wanted to wanted to spend some time today talking about something that I've just been studying um, and I've been looking into. And maybe a good if you're if you like to follow along in your Bible, going to be in Numbers. We're going to start in about chapter twelve. Um, but Tim and I, when we speak, when we train, when we do stuff, I mean, we're always, always, no matter where we're at in in the text, no matter what the topic, we always wind up coming down somewhere to what it means to to look into the face of God to to just try to find out more about him. And there's a reason for that. Um, you know, we get to talk to a lot of pastors. We see a lot of churches. I've been in a lot of churches. And we see, how do I want to say this? We see a lot of the same things, people striving um, to do right. And and that's good. People, But, but what, what I mean by that is we see a lot of people in organizations that are striving to get the formula just right. Um, and then, you know, it, whether we're, okay, we're weak in prophecy or, you know, so we want to, or we're weak in study, let's put it that way. So we want to beef that up. Okay. And that's good. Um, or maybe we're weak in evangelism. So let's make sure that we push this year to evangelize. Um, and that's good. But it, it occurs to me, and as I study the scriptures and I look into the scriptures, a lot of times the reason that we are weak in certain areas as a church or as people, as individuals, is not because we haven't found the right formula, not because we haven't been to the right conference or put in the right implement, implementation strategy, but it's because we're weak in, pers in pursuing the Lord. And and which leads me into kind of asking the question, what what does it look like to pursue the Lord? And, and what is our goal? And I love to study Moses. And the reason I love to study Moses is because he had a special relationship uh, with God. And, I, you know, I, I guess being an old Baptist boy, I guess if I had to put a title on my, on my Friday Live today, it would be that, that Moses was special. Um, the hard thing for us is a lot of times we see these biblical characters um and we want and, and though he is special i'm going to show you in scripture where it actually is declared that he's different um we think that he's somehow other than us he's somehow different than us you know we can never be as special as moses or we could never hold this position uh, that moses did with god and, and maybe 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 we won't um, but it's something to strive for especially in the new covenant in the new testament we find that that the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, um, it opens up 
the opportunity for all of us to hold this place. Now, what is this place? What was special about Moses? Let's look in Numbers chapter 12 is a story, and we're going to walk through several different stories, but in Numbers 12, there's a story, and it's interesting because it shows it shows a window into how God felt about Moses. Now, if you know the story of Moses, um, put in the basket, put in the Nile, grow up in Pharaoh's house, et cetera, et cetera, killed the Egyptian, all of that, all of the stuff. And, uh, and so that's the guy. And it's this interesting text in Numbers 12. It says, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman that he married for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. So the question they're asking is, here, here's my modern version of, of what they're saying. Why do you think you're so special? Um, if you've got more than one kid, you've heard stuff like this before. Well, why, are they, why do they get away with this? Or why didn't they get punished for that? Um, I was the youngest of three boys, and my older brothers are convinced to this day that I didn't get the same shakes as they got. Um, you know, th their life was tougher than mine. I like to remind them that I was just smarter than them, and I saw their mistakes and avoided them. The reality is that that's probably true uh, in, in terms of avoiding some of the mistakes that I saw others making. But more than that, it's probably just true that my parents were tired. And, and, and you know, and that's the way it goes. But that's what Miriam and Aaron were saying. You know, hey, God can speak to us too. And you're, you're not that special. And it says the Lord heard it. And in verse 3, he says, Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Now, when I think about Moses, I don't think of, of humility, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I think of a strong leader. Isn't that what, you know, I mean, good grief. What would Craig Rochelle's podcast say about Moses being a meek and humble man? Uh, well, I say meek. It just says humble. Um, and it doesn't say that he's not a strong leader, but it paints a picture of somebody who understands their position. That's what humility is. He understood his insignificance in the grand scheme of things. He's just a guy. And I find that interesting to put it in there because God's going to honor that. The next verse says, Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, You three come out to the tent of meeting. And so the three of them went out. And then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance to the tent, and summoned Aaron and Miriam. And when the two of them came forward, he said, now wait, before we go into what he said, remember what's happening. This was a common, or, or, or I want to know if I need to use the word common or normal. They were accustomed to seeing the pillar come down at the tent of meeting. It was something that they recognized. And, and so when God had something to say, that's what he did. You know, and you, and you read in the stories where he would, Moses would go in and people would stand at their tents and watch um, knowing that he was in there talking to the Lord. And so the Lord comes down suddenly because he heard Miriam and Aaron grumbling about Aaron saying, or grumbling about Moses saying, hey, God doesn't only speak to you. But here's what the Lord said in verse five, or verse six. Listen to what I say. Good way to start off if you're the Lord. If there's a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream but not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. 
I speak with him directly, openly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Now, like I said, I, I would call this Moses is special. Miriam and Aaron are saying, hey, Moses, you're not special. Uh, can God not speak to us? And, and the Lord says, if I happen to choose to speak to one of your prophets, I'm going to speak to him in a vision or a dream. And we know from when the contrast of that, when he says about Moses, I'm not going to speak to him in riddles. The flip side of that, the connotation is, is that when he speaks to a prophet in a dream or a vision, it's going to have an element of riddle to it. In other words, you're going to have to figure it out. Just like with Daniel and you know, in his dreams with Pharaoh, and they were you know, the, the, the stalks and the bowing stalks and all, all of these things, they all meant something. You had to figure them out. The dream needed to be interpreted. But God says it's not so with Moses. He said, I speak to him directly. Now, there's some context. If you, you think about it, go back to the burning bush. Moses declared, I want to see your glory. And he says, you can't see my glory. You can't see my face or you'll die. So he hit him in the cleft of the rock, showed him his, showed him his back. But in this text, he says that he sees the form of the Lord. The Lord is telling Miriam and Aaron, Moses is different than you. Moses is different than the rest of the prophets. But then the big question is, so why were you not afraid to speak against my servant's mo servant Moses? And then it says the Lord's anger burned against them, and he left. And as the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. And when Aaron turned toward her, he saw that she was diseased. Now, I don't want to get into all of the plague that came and how they fended it off and Moses uh, praying for them and Aaron standing in between. There's, there's a big story there but that, that's not my purpose today. Um, hey, Corey Jenkins, got to have you watching us today. Y'all be sure and comment on the, let us know you're out there on the, on the podcast. But so Moses is different. Moses was different than Aaron. Moses was different than Moses was different than the rest of the prophets. He was a friend of God, the Bible calls him, and God spoke to him face to face. And they still came against him. And we see it again over in Numbers 14, just a chapter or so later. We've talked about this before. When they sent the spies into, into Canaan, 12 spies, 10 came back and said, oh my gosh, they're going to kill us. We're like grasshoppers, can't do this. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, uh, uh, yeah, they're big, but look at this cluster of grapes. I mean, it takes two of us to carry it. And I mean, you can't buy that at Walmart. And uh, you can't even buy good grapes at Walmart, but that's a different story. Anyway, and so the people were all in lamentation. The Lord rebukes them. God judges, you know, Israel's rebellion because they won't go and basically says, you're not going in. But then later in chapter 14, and he said, what does this have to do with Moses being special? I'll, I'll show, share, show you. In verse 39 of Numbers 14, Moses reported the words of the Lord to all of the Israelites, and the people were overcome with grief. Which is, which is appropriate when you're confronted with God's judgment. They got up early the next morning, went up to the ridge of the hill country saying, let's go to the place the Lord promised for we were wrong. Well, now they're wanting to go back and do what God had told them to do. Hey, Butch, nice to have you with us. But Moses then responds, why are you going against the Lord's command? 
it will not succeed. And he says in verse 42, don't go because the Lord is not among you and you will be defeated by your enemies. And we know the story. Moses and the ark stay back in the camp. The Israelites go up to where God had already told them to go, where they refused to go. And they got routed and they got sent back. And then more judgment comes. And we see this kind of pattern. Miriam and Aaron got mad at Moses. Uh, are you the only one that God can speak to? And God basically said, yeah, he's the only one I'm speaking to like this. Your prophets get visions and dreams. They got to be interpreted because I'm not doing that with Moses. What that should have told the people of Israel was when Moses speaks, he's speaking very clearly for the Lord God of Israel. And they still disobeyed. They still didn't hear it. And so to me, that's a great encouragement to the pastor out there who's who's doing his best. Man, he is swinging the bat, preaching the word, shelling corn, bringing down the fire. And people don't respond. Yay, that, not even that. Maybe they respond negatively. They push back and say, I don't want to hear that truth. It, it was like, like the people when Jesus said, you have to drink my flesh or drink my blood and eat my flesh, you know, to follow me. And they, it says many turned from him. They turned from him never to follow him again. The whole multitude is like our equivalent would be he held a crusade in a, you know, I don't know, an amphitheater. You know, maybe there's 2,000 people. I don't know. I'm making this up number-wise. He says something and everybody leaves. And it's not that they left the venue. It says they left and followed him no more. They're like, yeah, I don't want to do this. This teaching is too hard, they said. And so, you know, he looks at the disciples, are you going to go too? But that's kind of the, the, the picture that we see here with Moses. This is this guy that when he speaks, it's from the Lord, and still they grumbled. And so to that guy that's doing, that's preaching the hard things, you're out there doing the work, man. I want to encourage you that even the people that Moses led, even, even the folks that knew and understood that he was getting words from the Lord without riddle, without even interpretation, as a friend, as you and I would talk across coffee, and they still rebelled, and they still grumbled. Jesus, the greatest teacher of all time, people left him. Not that he didn't do the truth well. It wasn't that he wasn't a good teacher. In fact, that was what they called him. He was and is the greatest teacher. So my encouragement to you is this. Don't wear it when sometimes people don't receive or respond to what you're teaching. It's not yours to wear. It's not your burden to bear. Be faithful to the text. Be faithful to the message as Moses was. And it always strikes me as interesting because, oh, what is it? Two chapters later in 16? Yeah, in 16 we see Korah's rebellion. So, I mean, it's not even that long after. I'm trying to get the timeline. I didn't I didn't look it up um, as far as the timeline after the routing and after all of that, they go through Sabbath violation. Um, I'd have to study the timeline. I, I didn't pay attention to that as I was reading through. But, you know, there's 250 people, their leaders in their little respective areas come up with Korah, and, and they raise this rebellion up against Moses. And we can look back, you know, with hindsight being what it is, 2020, and be like, man, they were all a bunch of knuckleheads. Because here's Moses, who just was the pillar of God, declared in the tent of meeting, I talked to him plainly. 
And what he's basically saying, what he says comes from me. And they didn't care. And and some of the, the accusation of Korah was the same. Um, because remember, Miriam and Aaron said, are you the only one that God speaks to? Why should we listen to you? You're just Moses. Uh, I'll never forget when I, I took over a church, local church here years ago, and we lost a couple. They left the church, and I went to see them. And, um, you know, it's like, what did we do? Did we offend you? You know, what what's the deal? And, and the problem was is we'd known each other too long. We'd known each other as kids. And it's like, I knew you when you were 14, and I'm just not sure I can see, can see you as a pastor. Of course, you know, my, my thing was, you know, if you won't judge me on 14-year-old me, I won't judge you on 14-year-old you, and we can move on. But nonetheless, they just were saying, I, I can't see you in this role. That's kind of what was happening here. Miriam and Aaron were saying, Moses, why you? Well, here comes Korah. In verse 3 of chapter 16, it says, They all came together, not just Korah, but Korah and, his, and the people following him. And they said, you've gone too far. Everyone in the entire community is holy, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the Lord's assembly? And when Moses heard this, he fell face down. And then he said to Korah and all of his followers, and we go, he said, tomorrow morning we're going to go through this thing. And long story short, Korah loses. They get swallowed, him and his, his family get swallowed up by the ground, and fire comes from, from, from the Lord and consumes the followers. It burns them up. And the short answer that people don't want to hear, and it's hard for people to say, the short answer to the question of Moses, why you? Moses, who do you think you are? Moses, why do you get to be the one that speaks for the Lord? The short answer is, is because Moses was different. And because the Lord wanted Moses to be that way. And the Lord chose to speak to Moses in that fashion. And I do also believe that it's because of the way that Moses viewed the Lord. Moses understood who God was. And when the Lord spoke, it wasn't, let me pray about that. Let me see if I should obey that. It was an assumption in his own heart that a, a word from the Lord equaled a commandment from the Lord and that disobedience was not an option. So what does this have to do with what we teach and how we, we encourage people in the kingdom? Every time we speak, do a leadership training, do a kingdom vision training, um, do a podcast, we always come back to telling people, we, we say it like, you know, put your face in the Lord's face, seek the Lord, find out who he is, be like Jacob and wrestle with the Lord, all those different kind of things that we, we come up saying. Because the goal is to understand the nature and the character of God in such a way that when the Lord speaks, whether or not we should move to action is not even on the table for discussion. It's just a matter of obedience because we understand who He is. And I am firmly planted in this idea that a lot of the disobedience that we experience personally I experience it, you experience it, and that we experience corporately, even in the church, is because we don't have our face in His, and we're not pursuing Him well, and we don't have a good understanding of who He is. And so we ask silly questions like, well, who does the preacher think he is? Who does the elder think they are? Um, and I, I'm not saying every pastor, every elder is perfect. They're not, but they are in a seat. And, you know, Fill in the blank. My big question 
to you watching is how are you pursuing the Lord? Are you pursuing the Lord in a way that says, Lord, I want to talk to you like a friend. I want to have a relationship with you like Moses did, where you speak to me. And whether or not he will speak to you like he spoke to Moses, I'm, that's not what I'm saying that, oh, well, that's the be all end all. You can check that off. I'm just saying that we want to pursue a relationship because what happened when Jesus died on the cross, if you read the story, the veil was rent. Now, there's, this is a deeper story. I'm on, you theologians out there, forgive me for really squishing this down. Um, at that moment, Paul would tell us we can now boldly go before the throne of grace. We can go into the Holy of Holies. We can approach this mountain, Hebrews was a chapter 12 that says we no longer go to this mountain like Sinai that's on fire and lightning and thunder and scary and you're going to die. But we are operating now in this festal gathering, this, this gathering of the saints and of the angels and the angelic beings. And we get to go and talk to the Father through the blood of Jesus. It allows us to do that. The Holy Spirit, even when we do it poorly, groans and utters for us. In, in, in ways for, to the Father that we cannot express. And so we have access to the Father like Moses did. And so my question to you is, is, are you seeking to know the nature and the character of God in such a way? Do you understand your access to the Father in such a way that it leads you to remember and understand who it is you're talking to? This spirit that hovered over the face of the waters in Genesis chapter 1 and spoke into existence out of nothing, everything that is, that put the, the, the magnetic coupling of the earth and the moon together in just such a way to sustain life, human life. That's the being we get to talk to. And we have Moses as an example. We get to talk to him like a friend. And he gave us his word to test everything that we think we're hearing to look into that word and to, and to be able to see what is it that God's saying. And so we have this unique opportunity to not just, just blindly follow God and Jesus and have faith, but we also get to hear from him and talk to him. And we have the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth, John 17. And we get to have the word that takes the word to the word was him. In John chapter one was in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the Holy Spirit takes that word and teaches us like a friend. And now through the blood of Christ, he calls us a friend. And so my question to you is, are you mad because Moses is special or are you seeking to be like Moses? And that's what we want to push people to do is push people into seeing the kingdom and seeing the nature and character of God in everyday things and not get bound up in what we think things ought to be, but to look in how things really are. How is it that God looks at mankind? How is it that God interacts with us? What is on his mind? And I, somebody will say, but yeah, but we can't know the mind of God. His ways are above our ways. Yes, that's true. And we'll never understand everything until he completes us. And who knows if we'll ever know everything. But but it says we'll be as he is, and I believe that we'll have that understanding. And But in the meantime, he is progressively revealing himself to us through his word, through his spirit, through nature, through circumstances, through fellowship. You know, if you haven't ever taken experience in God, you should, because it really helps us to open up. He uses circumstances, people, fellowship, God, his word, the spirit, to reveal not just 
here's the perfect way that you should go, but it's deeper than that. What he's revealing is who he is, his nature and his character. Because once we begin to really understand and seek that, everything else that we're constantly trying to figure out will begin to fall into place and frankly, will take less prominence in our, in our world. Because it's not about getting everything just right. It's about pursuing him and figuring out who he is and what he's doing. And when you figure that out, you just get it along. And that's, that's what I see Moses doing a lot. What, God, what are you doing? What do you want to do? He says, do this. Okay, God's going to do this thing over here. Let's do that with him and let him use us in it. So my encouragement to you today is to just, when we say things like, put your face in God's face, when you don't know what decision to make, get in his word, pray, let the spirit speak to you and try to let him tell you and reveal to you what it is that he's doing. How does he see a situation? And then everything else kind of starts falling into place. We'll expand this more maybe in weeks to come, but what really sat on me as I was studying was this idea that Moses was special. And what was special about Moses was the relationship that he had with the Father. He got to interact with him in ways that other people did not. And now through Jesus, through his blood, through the Holy Spirit, through our intercessor, we get to have the same kind of interaction with the Father. And that's a privilege. I mean, that just blows my mind that we get to have that kind of access and relationship with the creator God of the universe. Don't squander it. Make sure you understand how precious that is. And then figure out what he's doing and get involved. Appreciate you joining the podcast today. We'll see you next week. Um, guys, join, uh, go somewhere Sunday. Join in worship with another group of believers and uh, seek his face. Seek to know who he is and just enjoy his presence. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.